what's happening in the world right now coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. The search for the missing Titanic submarine continues, although estimates say it could have run out of oxygen just this morning. New emission standards for cars and trucks are in the works, but lawmakers question an EPA official on proposals aimed at boosting electric vehicle use. The U.S. and India are expected to deepen defense and tech cooperation as India's prime minister visits the White House. But President Biden is also facing pressure to raise the issue of human rights. The largest Catholic health care system in the nation may be performing transgender surgeries. We'll hear from someone who says it should be stripped of its Catholic status. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Our top news today is the desperate search for the missing submarine near the wreck of the Titanic. It's estimated that the sub ran out of air this morning, but the search and rescue mission continues as hope dwindles. The Ocean Gate Titan sub went missing Sunday morning in the North Atlantic, and time is ticking for the five passengers on board. The U.S. Coast Guard estimated that oxygen would run out by 8 this morning. The co-founder of the company said he's optimistic that the crew will have taken steps to conserve oxygen, but that today is critical. The vessel's condition and what happened remain unknown. The Coast Guard said it has searched twice the area of Connecticut, two and a half miles deep. A major barrier to the rescue operation is the limited equipment that can reach deep enough. The Coast Guard said this morning that one Canadian vessel has joined the others on the sea floor and a French one is on the way. Officials said underwater sounds were detected again in the search area yesterday, but haven't been able to confirm the source. Staying with the missing submersible Titan, it was revealed that the chief executive of the company that provides the sub is married to a descendant of two passengers of the Titanic. Stockton Rush is the CEO and founder of OceanGate Expeditions, and he's also on board the missing vessel. The New York Times reported that his wife, Wendy Rush, is a great-great-granddaughter of Isidore Strauss and his wife, Ida. Isidore Strauss was the co-owner of Macy's Department Store. He and his wife were two of the wealthiest people on the Titanic's fatal maiden voyage. Before the ship sank, Strauss said he would not go before the other men, and his wife also refused to get on a lifeboat, giving her place to their new housemaid. Ida chose to spend her final moments with her husband. More on the missing sub, a friend of a passenger on board says he called off his own trip over safety fears. Chris Brown is a friend of British billionaire and adventurer Hamish Harding. He was also booked to take the tour, but eventually backed out. He said he was concerned about the vessel's assembly and safety features when it underwent tests several years ago. Parts of the submarine that I'd seen in the testing in the Bahamas just seemed a bit shoddy. They're using industrial piping for ballast. Um, they, they're using an Xbox controller for, for the steering. The strip lighting's something you get at a DIY shop. Um, small cramped uh, services. Brown added that he was unhappy with some of the designs, like the thrusters on the outside with the cables there. He called it a snagging hazard. He said he also noted the ship's lack of backup systems as well as that it can only be opened from the outside. The National Transportation Safety Board is back in East Palestine, Ohio, the site of the toxic chemical train accident. On Wednesday, it took questions from residents, and today begins a two-day safety hearing. 
About 70 people attended the Wednesday event at a local high school. Several residents expressed skepticism that the hearing would result in safety changes. The February train derailment led to the death of massive amounts of wildlife, the evacuation of hundreds of families, and the contamination of 20 million gallons of water and 75 tons of soil. Vinyl chloride is known to cause cancer. Five out of the 100 train cars were carrying the chemical. The hearing is expected to cover several topics. Those include first responders' response to the accident, the decision to burn the vinyl chloride, and the detection systems meant to alert the railway of problems. Clearing the air, the House held a hearing this week examining proposed emission standards for light vehicles. Among the witnesses was an official whom lawmakers were waiting on for some time after he missed a similar hearing, leading to a rocky start. Watch. What was your reason for not appearing? Uh, I, at, or for my part, um, as with many things, it was pri- primarily schedule. Um, so you couldn't change and adjust your schedule for the United States Congress? Um, it, was, it, would, it was difficult. Joseph Goffman is with the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA. He's the principal deputy assistant administrator at EPA's Office of Air and Radiation. On Wednesday, he attended a House Oversight Subcommittee hearing on the EPA's proposed emission standards. That's after missing a similar hearing in May. The EPA anticipates its rules will help drive a mass-scale transition to electric cars in the next decade. It predicts two-thirds of new light-body vehicles sold in the United States will be electric by 2032. Republican Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas says many of the EPA's proposals go against rulings from the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court already ruled against the EPA and the first clean power plan and stated the EPA did not have the authority to place state-level caps on carbon emissions under the Clean Air Act. As 60% of our nation's electricity is produced with coal and natural gas sources, Clean Power Plan 2.0 would have severe implications for the security of the United States electrical grid. Goffman said the transportation sector, cars and trucks account for the most greenhouse gas emissions and for significant levels of health-threatening air pollutants. Reducing these emissions is an EPA priority to ensure that Americans enjoy healthier lives. Republicans at the hearing mainly accused the EPA of forcing a change to electric vehicles by imposing new emission standards. My wife has an electric vehicle because that's the choice that she made for herself and our family. I have a combustion engine vehicle because that's the choice that I made for myself and our family. It's about choice. Democrats argue the standards are to protect the earth from dangerous emissions which warm the planet. A controversial report says the largest Catholic health system in the nation has funded and performed cross-sex surgeries and abortions. This in defiance of traditional Catholic teachings. NTD's Daniel Monahan spoke with the founder and president of the Lepanto Institute. The Lepanto Institute is a Catholic research and educational organization founded by Michael Hitchborn in 2015. I have been conducting investigations into charitable organizations and helping people to understand which ones are safe to donate to, which ones are not, because uh, they're supporting either abortion or contraception or homosexuality or transgenderism or Marxism. The Institute released a report claiming to expose the Catholic organization Common Spirit Health this month. Not only is it, uh, does it have a hospital within its network called the St. Francis Memorial Hospital that is performing transgender surgeries. It's providing hormone treatments for people that want to transition and it's providing puberty blockers for kids. 
After doing some digging, Hitchborn says he uncovered other facts he finds disturbing. We also discovered that Common Spirit Health has a health benefits package for its employees that covers for sex change operations, uh, hormone treatments, and puberty blockers for kids. According to Hitchborn, Common Spirit Health has also raised millions of dollars for the St. Francis Memorial Hospital for the acquisition of a robot surgical unit that can assist in surgery, including cross-sex operations. The CEO of Common Spirit posted a, an article on LinkedIn talking about how he was so proud of, of uh, Common Spirit Health for performing these gender-affirming um, procedures and for engaging and promoting the LGBTQ ideologies. So it's from top to bottom, the whole network is completely acting against Catholic teaching. The Institute director says he's both saddened and horrified by the moral decline within factions of the Catholic Church. His mission is to make sure those who operate in the name of the Church do so in line with its teachings. Hitchborn says Common Spirit reaps the benefits of the Church in the form of huge tax deductions. The Lepanto Institute is calling for it to be stripped of its Catholic identity, a decision that can only come from the Vatican itself. And uh, I think that not only should the bishops be acting to try and strip common spirit of its Catholic identity, they should also be working hard to engage in public acts of reparation and penance uh, for the abominable practices taking place in the name of the church. Hitchborn is aghast at what he sees being done to children. The first rule of the Hippocratic Oath is first do no harm. But what they're doing is they are mutilating genitals, they are breaking body parts that are healthy body parts, and they are destroying reproductive systems that are healthy and growing and developing. So what they're engaging in is the destruction of a human person. NTD reached out to Common Spirit Health, but didn't hear back in time for broadcast. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Up next, the GOP has another presidential contender in an already crowded field. A former congressman from Texas joins the race. And three progressive George Soros-backed prosecutors win primary elections in Virginia. We'll have more on that for you in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back to NTD News Today. A former FBI analyst was sentenced for holding hundreds of classified documents pertaining to national defense at her home. She had access to top secret information. Kendra Kingsbury was sentenced to three years and 10 months in prison after pleading guilty. She served as intelligence analyst in the FBI for over 12 years. Prosecutors said the FBI's investigation revealed more questions than answers as to why she took the documents. She made phone calls to people targeted in counterterrorism investigations, and they made calls to her. Kingsbury did not provide the government with an explanation. The FBI says she improperly took around 386 classified documents. Republicans get another presidential contender. Former Congressman Will Hurd from Texas announced his presidential run. Heard also served as a CIA officer. Heard told CBS he decided to run because we live in a complicated times and need common sense. He listed China, inflation, education, and artificial intelligence as his top issues. Heard has not himself aligned with former President Trump and says none of the current GOP candidates have shown the ability to take on Trump or presented a vision for the future. 
In a campaign video, he attacks both President Biden and Trump. However, the DNC responded to Heard's candidacy by tying him to Trump and Trump's policies. Three progressive George Soros-backed prosecutors won Democratic primary elections in Virginia. One of them received over $325,000 from Soros-backed committees. Arlington Falls Church attorney Parissa Degani Tafti received the most Soros money with $326,000 going towards her re-election. Her campaign includes policies of ending cash bail and ending drug criminalization. Fairfax County attorney Steve Descano beat his primary challenger by over 10 points. He received over $26,000. Descano plans to defy any restrictions on abortion imposed by the state. Soros-backed Loudoun County prosecutor Buta Biberai was also victorious against her opponent by over 10 points. Cully Stimson of the Heritage Foundation told Fox News the wins can be attributed to low voter turnout, Soros bucks, and lackluster primary opponents. As Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi is on his first official state visit to the U.S., concerns about human rights in India are looming. The U.S. and India are expected to deepen defense and technology cooperation. Washington wants India to be a strategic counterweight to China. Modi seeks to raise India's influence on the global stage, with his country now the world's most populous at $1.4 billion. But the trip comes with pressure on Biden from his fellow Democrats to raise human rights with Modi. There are concerns about Democratic backsliding in India under his ruling party, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Biden is expected to discuss the issue with the Indian leader. The pair is set to deliver remarks and take questions from journalists later today. Modi has not addressed a single press conference in India since becoming prime minister about nine years ago. Border Patrol has apprehended 127 illegal immigrant suspected terrorists in this fiscal year. I wanted to learn more about the risks this poses, so I spoke to an expert. Joining me now is Victor Avila, a retired special agent with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and author of Agent Under Fire. He's also a congressional candidate for Texas. Victor, you're a busy man, and I appreciate your time, and thanks for coming on the show. Can you give us any insight as to why the arrests of non-citizens and the FBI's terror watch list at the border is at an all-time high? The answer is actually pretty simple and scary, and that is because the borders are open. And this administration has given that message, not just to Mexico and Central America that we're kind of used to seeing, but the rest of the world, including terrorists and those that want to come to the United States to cause us harm. We're a very, very, very different ideology here. And um, you mentioned the fiscal year numbers, but since then, we're over 200 now that have been detected by CBP. This is interdiction of people on the on the terror watch list and no-fly list, individuals that we've been watching and, and keeping a close eye on that we have actually encountered. The scary part is to think is how many we have not. We have 1.8 million gotaways completely undetected by our border patrol at our southern border. How many of those also belong in this category? 
Victor, echoing some of your concerns there, as Representative Mark Green, a Republican from Tennessee, who chairs the House Homeland Security Committee, he said these arrests raise questions about the security of the southwest border and says suspected terrorists are taking advantage of vulnerabilities stemming from what he called the current administration's open border policies, though Secretary Mayorkas has said that the U.S. borders are not open. So what can be done here to keep these dangerous individuals out of the country? Man, that's a loaded question, Kevin, because, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the inability of this administration to go back to policies that work in securing our border. We're talking about policies here. We're not talking about laws. You know, the laws uh, are in the books. We just need and want our uh, border agents and other agencies, by the way, it's not just Border Patrol, but uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement in the internal uh, enforcement of our immigration laws to be able to do their jobs. This administration has kept them from doing that. And in some parts of the border, we have 80% of border agents not patrolling the southwest border because they are uh, processing illegal uh, aliens to come into the country. And I want to mention something really quick. I just returned from a two-week tour in Israel and toured their borders and the threat that they face with terrorism. And let me tell you, this is something that I brought back that I thought was very serious that we're lacking in our country is the desire and, um, and, and implementation of the seriousness that we face when it comes to border security. It's not just the United States, it's Israel and it's other places around the world that have to deal with it on a very, very serious daily basis. But somehow we have missed that in the United States under this administration. And of course, terrorism is a very serious threat. Of course, 9-11 changed the world. Now, as you know, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before the Senate back in August 2022. At the time, he said that there was no immediate threat from a foreign terrorist organization on the border at that moment, though he said they're looking for any vulnerability to exploit. Has that changed? <laughs> Absolutely has changed. I don't know uh, what Christopher Wray and what world he's living in, but the, the, the terror threat exists and it continues to exist. Even when I worked in Mexico, I interviewed a lot of these individuals in Mexico City, uh, what the Department of Homeland Security calls SIAs or special interest aliens that come from countries that are sponsored by terrorism like Bangladesh, uh, Somalia and other parts of the world. And we're talking about Hamas, we're talking about Hezbollah, we're talking about uh, ISIS. Yes, this is a real threat. And guess what? They also know that Mexico is a way in into the United States. And a lot of them think and know that once they're in Mexico, they're as good as being in the United States because they're one stop uh, ahead from being into the United States with almost no detection. These are very dangerous individuals. Victor Avila, retired special agent with ICE. It's always great hearing your analysis. Thank you. Tech billionaires Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg have agreed to hold a cage fight challenge after a series of posts on social media platforms last night. Tesla CEO Musk posted a tweet saying he was up for a cage fight with Zuckerberg. Meta CEO Zuckerberg then posted a screenshot of Musk's tweet on his Instagram stories with the caption reading, send me location. Musk then replied with Vegas Octagon. The Octagon is where ultimate fighting championship competitions take place in Las Vegas. Musk said, I almost never work out except for picking up my kids and throwing them in the air. He also wrote, I have this great move that I call the walrus, where I just lie on top of my opponent and do nothing. But Zuckerberg would appear to be in good shape for the challenge after winning his first jiu-jitsu competition recently. A Meta spokesperson said that Zuckerberg's post was not a joke. The exchange comes after rumors that Zuckerberg is preparing to create a new app to rival Twitter. 
Now to some business analysis. The stock market's soaring for most of this year, and a lot of the gains are because of the excitement surrounding artificial intelligence. NVIDIA stock is up more than 200% this year. Things have run up very quickly, maybe too quickly for some. Many investors are comparing what's happening now to the dot-com bubble of the early 2000s. But is it really a bubble this time around? NTD Business's Don Ma speaks with an experienced investor. And here with me is Lance Roberts, Chief Investment Strategist at RIA Advisors. So, you know, I think this AI hype really started around the time ChatGPT was released. And since then, things have run up quickly. I mean, right now, companies just mentioning the word AI in their earnings calls are getting a boost. I mean, Heinz, the ketchup maker, talking about AI. So, you know, you're, you're seeing all this, the mania around AI, if you will. What's going through your head? Well, uh, uh, first of all, you know, we got to put this in perspective, right? AI has been around now for almost a decade. This has been something we've been talking about for a while. Artificial intelligence, robotics, all this. So a lot of this, you know, we've already known about, you know, chat GPT is an example. It just really kind of kicked all of a sudden everybody, it just became mainstream and everybody's going, oh my gosh, you know, AI is here. And now we've got chat GPT. And if you go on TikTok, it's just, you know, one video after another of how to make a million dollars with chat GPT. This is very similar to, to what we saw back in 1999 with .com. Everybody wanted to jump on the website, put up a web page. It was all about eyeballs per page. But the problem was is the revenue never came as expected and earnings and prices were, were well estimated above what reality turned out to be. That's the thing we have to figure out with AI. So would you define this as a bubble? Um, well, we're definitely getting into the mania phase, right? Bubbles you never know about until after the fact. So, you know, if I, if I sit there and go, yeah, this is a bubble today. Well, bubbles can go a lot further, right? And, and, and if you take a look at what the market's doing today as compared to 1999, we haven't got to the bubble mania phase yet. That's still potentially to come. And so that's hard to imagine. But, you know, in the late, in the late 1999 year, starting in about October, the NASDAQ just went parabolic. And for about three months, there was no stopping stocks from going up. Of course, in March of the next year, it all ended very quickly. So, the, so calling things a bubble is dangerous because we never know where we are. But are things getting a bit ahead of themselves? Absolutely. And, and, and there's a function of what this is going to mean for earnings and valuations down the road. So, th so this AI hype, I, I do think that you believe there's only a couple of ways that this is going to end. I mean, what, are, what do you think are those scenarios? Well, look, there's, you know, is AI going to make the world a more productive and efficient place? Probably, right? I mean, we, you know, artificial intelligence is going to, to make our jobs a lot easier. There's also a dark side to this, right? It's going to replace a lot of jobs. Um, artificial intelligence can do your job, right? We've already seen deep fakes that are coming out. I get your image. I write the text and artificial intelligence voices it for you. You mouth the piece and, and you're off on a beach somewhere, right? But, you know, so there's going to be a problem ultimately with the jobs it replaces because now artificial intelligence can do all the jobs that before we didn't think were replaceable, accounting, legal, um, you know, finance. My job as a portfolio manager, artificial intelligence can do that job. So, you know, this is gonna be, you know, kind of the dark side of this that, you know, does it, does it enhance productivity? Does it make our lives better? Or does it start replacing jobs, bringing down wages, bringing down, you know, living standards because I, rather than paying the high cost of wages, I can pay an expensive AI up front and then reap that benefit of lower wage cost over time. You know, this is going to be the challenge that we face. Um, you know, how do we establish our, our, our relevance, right? And so we talk about capitalism, and you and I have had this conversation before. 
Capitalism is the value of what we bring to the table, what we can generate in terms of respectable, payable value. Um, we've got to bring something now to the table that AI can't do, that human touch, right? That, that human interaction, that logical approach, because all AI does is regurgitate the information it has. Originality is going to be the thing that we have to bring to the table. And this is gonna be something we have to really focus on as individuals. All right, thank you so much today, Lance. Always a pleasure speaking to you. My pleasure, thank you so much. This just in, we have an update on the missing submarine. The U.S. Coast Guard reported just before noon that one of the robots searching the ocean floor has found a debris field. It's unclear what this debris is from, but officials have set a press conference for 3 p.m. Eastern. And just ahead, over 30 people are dead following a gas explosion at a barbecue restaurant in China. We'll have that and more for you when we return. Good to have you back with us. We're covering a story that has gained a lot of attention in Washington and across the United States. The Chinese Communist Party is set to install military bases in Cuba. The U.S. has deep concerns about this. We get an update from the ground just tens of miles from communist-ruled Cuba. Please welcome John Mills, retired U.S. Army colonel and former director of cybersecurity policy at the Department of Defense and the author of The Nation Will Follow. John, thank you so much for your update today. Kevin, an honor to be with you on your show. What do you think the Chinese regime is using this base for to start? Well, just right over my shoulder, about 80 miles, is, is Cuba. I'm in Key West. Uh, there has been a, a, a legacy spy base the Soviets set up right after the Cuban Missile Crisis and was operational, according to public uh, sources, until about 2000, 2001. Uh, and, uh, but now uh, there's been this announcement that China is going to occupy the Lourdes spy base and reestablish it. Uh, I, I believe it, it never really would shut down. And there has been a Chinese footprint and a presence in, in China for decades. Uh, and now it's, it's getting bigger. The Lourdes spy base is just uh, the first step. Uh, but now uh, as Blinken departs China, they announced uh, military trainers. And where there's military trainers, there will be a robust military and spy presence of the Chinese Communist Party. So right over my shoulder. Very concerning, John, and we're going to have to keep a close eye on this. In addition to those threats that you outlined here, it's not just military applications as part of China's spying campaign. As you know, cybersecurity firm Mandiant recently said that Chinese spies hacked into public and private security networks worldwide, hundreds of them. What risks do you think these facilities pose to the U.S.? Well, just like the uh, Volt-type typhoon episode a couple of weeks ago on Guam, uh, what the Chinese uh, can, uh, are, and will do is implant uh, software so they can remotely access our critical infrastructure and shut it down uh, or uh, degrade its operation at will. So this is a grave concern. Uh, so right here in South Florida, we have uh, surveillance radars, we have air traffic control radars, we have sensitive command and control. They can implant uh, implant that malware here, just like Mandy had identified, and essentially uh, at will shut down these systems. 
Critical infrastructure is very important to protect. And on that note, Congressman Carlos Jimenez of Florida is calling on the Biden administration to apply the full weight of the United States to counter the CCP's malign influence in the Western Hemisphere. And are you concerned about a second Cuban missile crisis here in light of the CCP's military activities on the island nation? Kevin, that's a very accurate and apropos term. I would call this uh, a second Cuban Missile Crisis because once they have uh, this, uh, air quote, military training operation underway, uh, I am highly confident they will uh, uh, emplace the S-300, S-400 long-range air defense missile. That missile is essentially a launch-and-forget long-range air defense missile. They will be able to uh, uh, affect the... Uh, the uh, skies up of Florida, uh, all, all approaching Orlando on the Mid Peninsula. This is a very powerful air defense missile that uh, uh, they will. It is a it is a dangerous threat to American air traffic. It's the same missile system that uh, brought down uh, the Malaysian air flight over the Ukraine in 2014. So uh, we cannot allow these missiles to be in place. And I am very high, highly confident that's exactly what the Chinese are going to do with this uh, air quote military training. The potential for long range air defense missiles in the U.S.'s backyard, that is a risk. Retired U.S. Army Colonel John Mills, thank you so much for your time today. Kevin, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your show. China's state media reported that at least 31 people were killed in a gas explosion at a barbecue eatery last night in the northwestern part of the country. The blast happened during peak dining hours, with high school students and retirees said to be among the dead. The restaurant is located on a busy street in Yinchuan, a tourist hub in the region. State media reported that the blast was triggered by a leaking, liquefied petroleum gas tank at the restaurant. Seven people were still undergoing treatment for burns and cuts from broken glass. Accidents due to gas and chemical blasts are not uncommon in China, despite years of efforts to improve safety. In 2021, a gas explosion at a barbecue restaurant in the northeastern part of the country killed four and wounded nearly 50. The latest explosion prompted the authorities to order a safety overhaul across China. Coming up, detained Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich losing his appeal against the extension of pretrial detention during a closed-door hearing in Moscow. And some schools in the UK are letting children identify as a cat, a horse, or even a moon. We explore what's behind this phenomenon shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. American reporter Evan Gershkovich lost his latest appeal at a Russian court today against his pretrial detention on charges of espionage. Gershkovich works for the Wall Street Journal and was arrested in late March while on a reporting trip. Russia's security service said he was trying to obtain military secrets. Both Gershkovich and the Journal deny the charge. A Moscow court ruled last month to keep him in custody until the end of August. Today's court proceedings took place behind closed doors. U.S. Ambassador Lynn Tracy, who was not allowed inside the hearing, told reporters outside that she was extremely disappointed by the decision. Gershkovich is being held at a prison in Moscow, which is notorious for its harsh conditions. The U.K.'s central bank raised interest rates by more than expected today to tackle stubborn inflation. 
The Bank of England hiked interest rates by half a percentage point to 5%, a 15-year high. The move surprised economists who had been expecting a smaller hike of a one-quarter percentage point. The bank's governor said that while the U.K. economy is doing better than expected, the inflation is still too high. Official figures yesterday showed consumer price inflation unchanged at nearly 9% in May. Last month, the central bank forecast that inflation would fall to just over 5% by the end of this year. Reports from Britain reveal some schools are letting children identify as a cat, horse, or even a moon. And at one school, other students who refused to accept an animal identity were told off by their teachers. And today's Malcolm Hudson has more for us. A viral video showed a teacher here in the UK telling students off for refusing to let a fellow student identify as a cat. It sounds crazy, but it really happened. Since then, there have been mounting reports from parents recounting similar experiences. Lucy Marsh, communications manager for the Family Education Trust, said it's a phenomenon linked to the promotion of gender ideology. If they are saying to children you can identify out of reality um, and be anything other than what you're born as, then the next logical step is to to, um, identify as non-human. It's a worrying development. Why are teachers going along with this? A lot of the initial teacher training institutes um, are influenced by organisations such as Stonewall um, and um, other um, LGBTQ plus organisations that that promote um, all of these things to to trainee teachers. The LGBT group Stonewall has guidance on their website supporting the use of so-called neo-pronouns. In 2021, the New York Times listed kitten and kitten self as examples of neo-pronouns. The idea of non-human identities has spread largely on social media, with some influencers identifying as trees and animals. Students have said it then spread to real life. Marsh added that the adults need to get back in the room. Parents really need to be um, joining forces to complain. And if you're not getting any joy from um, the head teacher, then um, you need to be going f- further up and writing to the school governors. And if the school is part of... Um, um, an academy trust, writing to the heads of the academy trusts and also getting in contact with your MP. Now, Marsh also said that an important part of loving your children is setting clear boundaries. And that means saying no to children if they're doing something that goes against their best interests. Malcolm Hudson, NTD News London. A new study found that rates of eating disorder diagnoses and self-harm substantially increased among teenage girls in the UK during COVID-19 lockdowns. The study examined the number of eating disorders among children before and after the pandemic. Among girls aged 13 to 16, the rates were over 40% higher than would be expected. The number of cases of self-harm was nearly 40% higher than expected among girls aged 13 to 16. Researchers said the affected number could be even higher than observed. No increase in self-harm was observed among boys or girls of other ages. The researchers said they didn't identify a rise in reported eating disorders among boys. This study looked at 9 million records belonging to patients aged 10 to 24 years. Coming up, chefs at the European Pizza and Pasta Show in London are struggling. They say costs for basic ingredients like flour and tomatoes have doubled in the last year. A pair of alpacas attract fans as they walk down the streets of Tokyo. Stay tuned for more on the furry cuties when we return. 
Welcome back. Pizza and pasta used to be simple and cheap, but chefs at the European Pizza and Pasta Show in London say costs for basic ingredients like flour and tomatoes have doubled in the last year. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the carb crisis. Giulio Abusi has been making pizza for 10 years. He says wheat prices have doubled in the last year, and that's too much to pass on to his clients. The tricky thing is that you cannot double the price of the final pizza to, your, to the guests, you know? So that's the, the, the tricky side of it. Marco Fuso runs a pizza consultancy business. He's one of the most famous pizza makers at the show. He says all his ingredients have gotten pricier. But it's been a massive increase, not just in flour. Tomato, mozzarella cheese, you know, and every single product related to pizza, everything has increased. Tomatoes were scarce in early 2023, driving up prices. For some, the increase is an existential threat to their business. Always, it's uh, really difficult to keep going. My business has been open for 30 years, and it's gone through lots of bad time since 1993. But this is the hardest of them all. The European Pizza and Pasta Show is part of the larger Mediterranean food and beverage show. Organizer Claudia Galetta believes the pizza makers are in a decent position, despite the rising prices for basic ingredients. Pizza is very easy to share, therefore that sale is still made, is not completely avoided, and it is absolutely loved. So they need to you know, grab their opportunity and ride this wave because it's happening right now. Many of the chefs and restaurateurs at the show hope for a more stable year ahead, and popping a bottle of Prosecco could be good luck. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Now to Japan. We have some amusing footage here. A pair of furry alpacas were strolling the streets of downtown Tokyo, bringing levity to its residents. The two brown-furred South American natives were out for their early morning stroll. They were born in Japan, and they loved the daily walk with their keepers. As curious eyes followed them, the pair trotted along the sidewalk, past stores and temples, before heading back to their home in an indoor petting zoo. Their work usually starts after a meal and a round of brushing and combing. For about $7, visitors can spend half an hour petting the animals, cuddling them, or even burying their faces in their fleece. The alpaca was so fluffy that when I put my face on its back, it covered half my face and it was so cute. Alpacas are naturally very nervous and timid animals, so when people approach them, they may spit or run away, making them difficult animals to interact with. But these two are trained and have naturally laid-back personalities, so they are accustomed to people now and interact well. How cute. The petting zoo opened for business in April. The manager said the secret charm of the alpacas is that it's comforting just to look at them. Still to come, the U.S. becomes the second country ever to approve lab-grown meat. The chicken product will first appear in restaurants and then on store shelves. Amid the hustle and bustle of Times Square, thousands of people took a moment to tune out the world and try some yoga. We'll take you to the annual summer solstice event here in NTD News. Welcome back. U.S. regulators have approved the nation's first lab-grown meat. 
two California companies can now start to sell their lab-grown chicken products. The products will first go to restaurants and then eventually to supermarkets. Upside Foods and Good Meat made the announcement on Wednesday. The companies plan to serve the new food first in exclusive restaurants. Upside Foods has partnered with San Francisco restaurant Bar Kren, and Good Meat dishes will be served at a Washington, D.C. restaurant run by chef Jose Andres. The companies and others like them say their new meat products can feed humans without killing animals and without the environmental impacts of raising animals. The Center for Food Safety said in a blog in 2020 that the kind of cells used to grow these meat products exhibit the characteristics of a cancerous cell. It also said some of the growth factories used to multiply the cells could be absorbed into the consumer's bloodstream after digestion. Turning to mental health, adults under age 65 are recommended to be screened for anxiety, including pregnant and postpartum women. That's the advice from an influential health panel. It's the first such guideline from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. According to the CDC, during the COVID-19 pandemic, symptoms related to anxiety and depression rose sharply among adults. This year, half of all 18 to 24-year-olds reported both symptoms. The panel recommends using questionnaires to screen for anxiety with clinical evaluation and follow-up care if the test shows positive. Experts say in some cases such screenings and treatment can be life-saving. The new proposal may also affect insurance plans. One of the best treatments for mental health is exercise, like this event in Times Square called Mind Over Madness Yoga. Thousands participated in the annual summer solstice event this year. Entity's Sean Marshall has the story. For over 20 years, yogis have come to Times Square to participate in an annual all-day outdoor Mind Over Madness yoga event to celebrate the summer solstice. On the Northern Hemisphere's longest day of the year, yogis took part in this global celebration to find their center at the crossroads of the world. Taking charge to speak about the positive qualities of the event was Times Square Alliance's Regina Fojas. Being able to find calmness and centering yourself in one of the busiest places in the world, I think that it's accessible and that anybody can come for a free class, you get a free yoga mat. This is our 21st annual solstice in Times Square. On June 21st, 2003, three people did yoga at sunrise in Times Square. Two of them became the co-founders of Solstice in Times Square, Mind Over Madness Yoga. Since then, the event has grown to include thousands of yogis. I asked Fohas if she does yoga. Do I do yoga? Yes, I do. I wouldn't say I'm super flexible, but I think what's great about this particular event and yoga in general is it's for every body and that it doesn't matter what level you are. Um, it's a very inclusive environment to do this practice. Participants had the opportunity to join one of seven free yoga sessions throughout the day. All classes were also streamed live at tsq.org solstice via YouTube and on the Times Square Facebook page for anyone who wants to join in the replays from home. Sean Marshall, NTD News. There's a fair bit of misinformation on the internet about the benefits of drinking lemon water. Let's get some clarity. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
Lemon water is commonly consumed for its health benefits. It contains nutrients such as vitamin C and citric acid. Claims abound on the internet that it can be used for all sorts, that it can help with weight loss, fight cancer, and prevent kidney stones. So let's start with weight loss and dig into how much truth these claims really have. Vitamin C does not affect weight loss. It is mainly an antioxidant that can prevent free radicals from damaging cells. Citric acid cannot help you lose weight either, but it does aid digestion. Water also has no weight loss effect. So under what circumstances can lemon water help you to lose weight? One is drinking water will make you feel full. This will reduce your appetite. Replacing high sugar drinks such as soda with lemon water will reduce sugar intake. In addition to being low in sugar, lemon water contains no fat or protein and is low in calories. In short, lemon water has no direct weight loss effect, but it can indirectly help achieve weight loss under certain circumstances. Okay, next, can lemon water fight cancer? Vitamin C has an antioxidant effect, which can reduce the risk of various chronic diseases. This includes cancer. However, no scientific basis exists for the claim that lemon water can fight cancer. In other words, lemon water won't fight established cancer tumors. It can only help prevent cancer, not cure it. Some studies at cell and animal levels have shown that lemon extract can inhibit the growth of cancer cells. But current clinical trials are insufficient to prove that lemon can treat cancer in human beings. Some large-scale statistics also show that eating more citrus fruits is related to lower cancer risk, but correlation does not mean causation. People who often eat citrus fruits are likely to pay more attention to diet and health. And finally, can lemon water treat kidney stones? Lemon water has somewhat of an effect on preventing kidney stones, but it may not be able to treat them. A study published in eClinical Medicine in 2022 showed that drinking two fluid ounces of fresh lemon juice daily can reduce kidney stone reoccurrence risk. When citric acid enters the urine, it is drawn to calcium salts to form citrate. This prevents calcium salts from forming calcium oxalate stones. But if you already have kidney stones, the effect of drinking lemon water is very minimal. That's all for today's program. I'm Kevin Hogan.